Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. And this is episode 44. Well, we actually made it to two episodes this uh, this new year. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Yep, doing good. You guys are always doing good. I should probably stop asking that question. It's probably a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we should say doing horrible. Actually, you know what? That Bengals game yesterday was really bad, and I was at it, so... I'm doing horrible. Here, how about that? Uh, yeah, I heard those. Pretty. We don't want to talk about that though. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fill up, fill up our entire hour. Yeah, too depressing. Yeah, <laughs> it's typical Bengals as far as their playoff record goes. Yeah. Yep. I guess we are a podcast of developers from Cincinnati, Ohio, so it's somewhat on on the topic list. But let's talk, talk about something more fun. Uh, something we thought we'd we'd try out and see how it goes is just kind of a, a new thing um, to get more feedback from from you guys or maybe uh, have people ask questions, get answers, or whatever. We're going to try uh, to do a Slack for our podcast. I think we're it will be at chat.sharedinstance.com uh, to, get, to get an invite. So just head over there. Do you guys have anything else to say about that? And the Slack domain will be sharedinstancepodcast.com dot slack dot com correct yeah I think, I think that sounds right okay we'll make sure that it's linked in the show notes but yeah we we're hoping to uh, get some feedback from you guys and and get in touch with you and hear what you say because twitter's not always the best medium for good communication and if there are show topics you want covered or if you have some feedback on something we talked about specifically or follow up or anything like that just yeah. let us know yeah and guests as well we're looking to get more guests on in 2016 so alex you've been putting together a conference list yeah as we enter 2016 starting to look ahead at what conferences are coming up uh, throughout the year usually try and hit one or two each year uh, sometimes three but uh just to you know for our own sanity put a list together on GitHub account for shared instance that we'll put a link in the show notes for and we'll try and put as many conferences that we know about out there but if our listeners have any additional conferences they can always do a pull request to, to add them to the list so what's good coming up I'm looking forward to year two of release notes uh, the first year was was quite excellent I think year two will be good as well yeah, I think I'll be going to that one. Maybe we can get Sam to actually go this year. I might be able to swing it. I already started off this year with one conference. <laughs> Can't win. <laughs> yeah, so I definitely try to make it to two a year. Yeah, I'll see. Maybe I'll stretch it out to three. Definitely thinking about 360 iDev again. That was a good one. And then it all depends on whether I get in to get a ticket to... San Francisco in June, but we'll see. That seems to be less and less likely as time goes on. As more and more people are more and more interested in iOS development and going to DubDub. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. I've, I, uh, you know, we used to be able to make that like a company trip. Like, there's three of us, so we could all kind of go out to DubDub and uh, experience the conference and 
do some team building and all that good stuff. But uh, I mean, it's impossible now. So yeah, if you're guaranteed to get a ticket, if you do get a ticket, you're not guaranteed to go there with somebody you know. Yeah, but I have I have heard some people saying they're not even going to bother trying this year just because of that. So maybe hmm. maybe I'll have luck this year. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, really, AltConf is a compelling conference to go to. I I never really thought of it as that big of a deal, but watching the sessions this past year, I was really impressed with it. It's a first-rate conference, and the price is really good if you don't need to worry about a guaranteed seat. I don't know if, if they've announced that they're going to do it for 2016 yet, but yeah, I'd be tempted to, to do that if I can't get a dub-dub ticket. But <laughs> And then you could stand outside the uh, Yerba Buena Gardens and just listen to the music and pretend like you're there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they had issues last year, though, because uh, they had the whole keynote uh, thing get called off and then somewhat back on again. So I may be worried about that stuff. There's always a bit of a love-hate thing going on there. Yeah, so we'll see. Anything else good that on the list that really sticks out to you guys? Of the Coco Comps, which there's a bunch of, the uh, Yosemite is coming up soon, and that seems like kind of the m- most unique one that is intriguing to go to, but I think it's, if I was going to go, I probably would have had to, that all scheduled out by now, so I don't think I'll be making it this year, but I'm intrigued. Seems like mm-hmm. it'd be a fun place to have a conference. In this north, maybe? Take a jaunt over to Canada, smoke some Cuban cigars? I've heard good things about Ennis North, but I don't think any of us have made it there yet, so definitely have that on my radar of conferences to check out. I wonder how Toronto in late April is, if that's cold or not still. You know, everybody in America, the United States anyway, has this nice image of Canada being a bunch of snow and ice all year round. It's not? (laughs) Southern Canada, probably not, yeah. (laughs) And there are the third some that are probably a little far away for us, like CocoConf in Seattle. Mm. Yeah, I probably won't make it out there. Yeah, Coco Love. I've heard I've heard good things about that. That one's in Philly. It's not too far. Mm-hmm. I don't know how technical that conference is. I I think some of the sessions were more, um, more about kind of soft skills and and how you approach your work rather than how you actually implement something. Which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. There's a lot of technical conferences out there, and they can get exhausting uh, towards the end if you're just, like, listening through slide after slide and talk after talk of, this is how you use this cool API (laughs) and blah, blah, blah. So it's good to change it up, kind of like release notes. Yep. Similar in that way. And some of those technical conferences, the sessions, the, the speakers anyway, they're... They're volunteers. They're not necessarily paid. And so you get it. It's hit or miss as far as the quality of the session. And you might find yourself walking out on more sessions than actually staying in. But Release Notes is not a technical conference, right? And it's more on the business development side and running your businesses in indie. And that was good. You guys enjoyed that one. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was a, a good change of pace and a broad set of topics with... Uh, a great community of people. So, yeah, everything just kind of came together and made that work. Maybe we can get Charles Perry back on the show to talk about release notes again. So, Sam, have you ever thought about uh, trying to do Swift on Android? Every day that I think about doing Android development, 
No, seriously though, it's it's on my radar, and now now Swift is open source. It's finding its way on Linux, and people are starting to create server side frameworks, and it really seems like it's got a good chance of becoming a more universal language. And so, I'm always thinking about trying to find a, a language that I can use it as the uh, as a common business level or business layer for my apps. And I've looked around, you know, JavaScript is one. Sure, you could do that, but you can also shoot yourself in the foot as much as you want. Yeah, that sounds scary to me. I would never want to. <laughs> yeah. Use JavaScript for that purpose. Yeah, definitely not. But it is there. It's universal. It sucks. Then there's a uh, Go is another one. Uh, Rust is something that's kind of making its way. It's a little bit of an up and coming language. It's still not really mature on mobile platforms yet, but Swift is another one now that it's open source and people are actually attempting to port it to Android. And I feel like that could be something that I could use cross platform and not have to worry about Apple closing loopholes or shutting the door on it somehow because they're not going to shut the door on Swift, obviously. Yeah, I guess if I were to use some some language to do that, Swift would be a really good candidate uh, since it seems like I need to get get my Swift going some point uh, before Apple forces me to by dropping support for whatever OS version if you don't <laughs> use Swift, which I'm sure will come at some point, but probably, hopefully it's still far, far yeah, out. Like five, <laughs> five years from now, maybe. That's probably even too aggressive, but... Yeah. yeah, I mean, I in general the the idea of doing that scares me because then you're either then you're either you know writing Swift like on Android, calling into a bunch of APIs that weren't designed with Swift in mind, which I guess you already are on iOS, uh, or you just have two different languages, one for your kind of common like backend stuff, I guess you could say. Or yeah, that that would be my goal yeah. here. Take this shared library and create a front end around it in whatever language you choose. And on Android, that could be Java, Kotlin, whatever, or whatever Google decides to switch away from switch to seems like their Oracle troubles are not going to go away anytime soon. And eventually they're probably just going to be tired of it. And I heard they're switching to open JDK, which I don't know if that gets them around the API lawsuits that Oracle is throwing against them. The, you know, then on the iOS side here, just call into this library with Objective C or Swift or whatever you want, and away you go. Then you're if you have two teams doing native development, they can share that code, and it's less inconsistencies that'll have that'll happen. Yeah, it definitely is intriguing. I can just never see myself pulling the trigger on that. Well, maybe it'll maybe my mind will get changed at some point. I don't know. <laughs> well, there are there's there are probably those people out there that say, "Yeah, well, we already have that common language. It's called C." But <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do that either. Well, it goes not too far off from looking like C. Works a lot differently though. Yeah. So have you guys seen some of those uh, commonly rejected Swift proposals out there in the Swift Evolution repo? They're kind of fun to look through. It seems like a lot of them are just kind of, let's make this not look like it 
has anything to do with C. <laughs> <laughs> Some of it's kind of reminds me of like replacing the logical operators, the the and ampersand ampersand and pipe pipe with the actual words and and or. Having done some Visual Basic, and then when they introduced like short circuit operators in Visual Basic, it was like and else or or else. Mm. Yeah, it, it didn't work very well. It was gross. So I'm definitely in favor of keeping the punctuation there. Well, I mean, their Python uses and and or. It doesn't seem horrible there. I mean, that's the other common one is get rid of the the bracket brace, whatever you want to call it, syntax, and use just indentation to determine scope, which I don't know. It's If you do a lot of Python, it's just something you get used to. Yeah, I was messing around with some Python last year, and it was like, this is really weird. I never got over the the hump, but I mean, maybe if you work at Google and you're doing Python all day, then, then you're used to it. Yeah, it, it does make um, separating out your statements kind of awkward sometimes. There's not a lot of DSLs in Python, purely because it's you can't just combine things on lines very easily. And the way the indentation works, it just doesn't work so well. As compared to Ruby, for instance. Yeah. But, and you could have a multi-line statement on, or multi-statement line using semicolons in Python, which is interesting. In general, a lot of these are, yeah, they just make sense. Like, quit, quit asking for these things, people. Yeah, leave my ternary operator alone. I love the ternary <laughs> operator. Yeah, but maybe make it so that it can't be nested. That's no. awful. No. That's awful. That's, that's fine. No, it's not. Eater's going to hate. What can mm -hmm. you say? Well, they've said these commonly rejected changes will continue to be commonly rejected, so <laughs> no luck, Sam. They're keeping the ternary operator in its full glory. That's fine. I'll just keep reserving the right to smack people upside the head when they use it. <laughs> use it as a nested statement. Anyway. Yeah. Looking through this list, a lot of them are just, I don't know. You wonder why people even bothered asking. Yeah. Unless it was maybe a troll. Like you said at the beginning, a lot of it's the, can you make it look more like my other language that I'm used to? I think one of the items in there that is somewhat intriguing would be require self uh, for accessing instant instance methods or members, mm. um, which I could see that cutting down on some confusion of whether you're calling the instant member or a local variable. Where is that? It's at the very bottom. Oh, the last one. Okay, it had a proposal yeah. in front of it. That's why I was confused. Okay, yeah, yeah. It definitely would make it more explicit, and it seems like a lot of the Swift three changes are to make things more readable, which I think is, is a good thing, and not to have some of the older syntax in there. But, but there's a lot of cases, too, where you're just required to use self. Like if you're going to capture self inside of a block, for instance, you need, or you want to reference an instance variable, you need self. All right, but this is requiring you to use self for accessing yeah. instance members. So, Right. I don't know. I, I kind of like the explicitness of requiring self there. And that's one I could get behind to some degree. Yeah, I think I kind of like it too. I guess it's a it's a bummer. I, I guess it'll make some some code a little more terse. But yeah. But then again, also your methods shouldn't be that large that you don't know where a variable is coming from, right? And neither really should your classes, at least in a in an ideal world. 
right? If you got a 50 line method and it's declaring 20 variables inside of it, and you're going to get con and you're worried about getting confused with instance variables or not, yeah, there's, there's a bigger problem there. Yeah, it's definitely a code smell. So it really, really, your code should be small enough in small enough blocks that you can pretty easily figure out where a variable is going to come from. So in that in that case, requiring self is just overkill. I say overkill it. Some some extra extra typing is sometimes a good thing. Like I hate how people in various languages do the one line if statements with no brackets. Mm. Then you get your go to fail. So right, yeah. I, I tend to even actually break those out when I see them in people's code. Yeah. They make me very angry. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I work on a project with you, if you do a nested ternary, I'm going to do a bunch of one-line if statements. <laughs> you going to turn it into that? <laughs> it's going there. That that would be the ultimate troll. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing they don't have in there is a way to refactor Swift. So have you guys looked at that refactorator repository yet? Alex? I took a quick look at it. I'm a little hesitant to adopt it in its early stages. Uh, refactoring can be kind of difficult to do it right. And I'm, I'm really kind of surprised that AppCode hasn't taken Swift refactoring farther. I think last time I checked, rename was the only option that you had. There might be a few others in there now, but I honestly don't know why the Xcode team hasn't added at least some basic refactoring into the tool. I'm hesitant to use a third-party solution for refactoring just because it's, you know, you, you need to trust your refactoring tool that it's going to catch all the cases for you and, and merge it properly. So well, for the most part, if it doesn't catch every case, you're just going to have a compiler error. And normally they give you like a little preview that you can browse through. Of, hey, this is what it'll look like now. Yeah, but, I think this might give you a text-based preview. Yeah, just just to be clear, it is a the repository is for a uh, Xcode plugin that does looks like just a very simple rename type for factors now. But I don't know. I, I think I think part of the reason JetBrains hasn't done much is. It's just because they've been struggling to keep up with Swift, much less like add features above and beyond what Apple has. And maybe they don't have that many people dedicated to it because I've got to imagine that like the amount of money they make from app code versus, you know, all of their other tools that they make is probably not that big. It seems like a niche product. We're, we're a niche, <laughs> small one. Well, until you can start doing Swift on Linux regularly or well, I guess. And it becomes a much popular, much more popular language. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm almost rather they uh, kind of go the, what's it called? What's the .NET and ReSharper that they make? Oh, yeah. Uh, and just make an Xcode plugin like this this guy in, for this uh, repository did and just have a built-in Xcode plugin to refactor stuff, and then they don't have to worry as much about, you know, all the other baggage that making a iOS-specific IDE comes with. Because there's a lot of stuff that they have to deal with. Yeah. We just mm -hmm. need Apple to come up with a universal plug or a plug-in standard for Xcode. That's that's what enabled ReSharper. Well, I think 
I mean, they already have that. Like the plugins are there. Uh, they're there, but they're, they're not. Supported. They're undocumented. Right. Yeah, you could put your library into this certain folder and do this mojo, and then you've got a plugin. But it's that's that would be hard to base a business model off of. Yeah, it's true. Maybe uh, we'll see that in June. Official Xcode plugins. <laughs> That'd be great. Sherlock Alcatraz. Or just hire the Alcatraz guy and <laughs> yeah. whoever is working on it now. I know there's a bunch of people who worked on it, but yeah, I think I'm going to lobby for, for Apple to do that because I want some more <laughs> instability in my Xcode. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there could be problems, but <laughs> if, yeah. if lots of people are making plugins. But the ones that are out there, there's a lot of useful stuff. There are a lot of good stuff. They tend to, I tend to start up using Alcatraz plugins probably right around now. And I'll use them for a few months. Then June comes around and there's a new Xcode beta and sometimes they break and, or Xcode just decides not to look in that same directory for plugins anymore. And so I get out of the habit of using the plugins until about the fall or winter again. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to put that on my to-do list. What? Check out some plugins or? Yeah, I get some more, look at some more plugins and okay. get them to work. Cause I had, to, I had a good setup with Objective C as far as plugins go. So I had some syntax snippets to create properties and classes just the way I wanted them to be created. I still love the color plugin. That's still a go-to for me. Is that just like a color picker? Yeah, you get an inline color picker anytime you do a color and it'll show you a color anytime you like that you can pick from to change if you want to anytime you have a UI color. Okay. I do definitely use Alcatraz for uh, my color schemes. So yeah. I always use a certain one. That I like. Yeah, they had lots of schemes and like project templates and stuff you can install, which was nice. Yeah, yeah, it's really good for that. It's a plus one for Alcatraz. So we wanted to get Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like just like Cocoa Pods, it could be a lot yeah. of Sherlocking happening this June. Still yeah, got those, six months. Those would be some welcome ones. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? What else seems like it may be going away is uh, our three and a half millimeter headphone jack on our phones. If if all these rumors seem to be right. They keep coming back. So oh. it seems like there's where there's smoke, there's probably fire. Say so it ain't so. It, it doesn't bother me that much. Do you guys actually use, like, headphones that you plug into your phone that often? Because, like, if I'm at the gym, I don't want to get, like, caught up in the cables. I always use Bluetooth. No, I use it all the time. Yeah, I use mine every day, all day, almost. I guess I haven't progressed into the Bluetooth century yet. I think I'm waiting for better quality Bluetooth headphones <laughs> at a reasonable price. I don't know. There's lots of decent quality cheap ones, especially if you're just like listening to yeah. podcasts. That's most of what I do. And Yeah, I've got a pair of $17 Bluetooth headphones that I use when I exercise. Uh, and they're, they're decent quality, but <laughs> the guidance is in Korean, I think, which is kind <laughs> of odd. But you get used to it. <laughs> but Samsung made them, right? Oh, I, it's some real off-brand. I think they were like seventeen dollars. Yeah, there's a lot of those yeah. out there on Amazon or or wherever. I, ironically, those had pretty good reviews and don't seem to get out of sync if you're watching video. Where some mm. of the more expensive, like two hundred dollar plus varieties, I, I've read on on some of them, the reviews said they lagged behind video if you were watching video. Oh. So I went for the cheaper ones for now. 
I think yeah. the newer like Bluetooth standards have fixed some of those problems, but I did see some expensive fare where you had to like do a firmware update to make it not lag horribly, which just seems like there's some fundamental problem. But hmm. well, my car, which is now about six years old, it lags. Not that I'm watching video in the car or anything, but it has a noticeable lag. And then uh, even my Amazon Echo, which I haven't tried it lately, but it would lag too. It was just enough on that one. Yeah. The car was way noticeable, but the, the Echo was just barely enough to make you go, what the hell is going on? Hmm. When I've seen like lag for when you hit actions, like it'll take a while to respond to a pause or a play. Mm-hmm. But like newer stuff, it seems like it's still synced with like whatever's happening on your device. Seems like maybe they solved that with some one of the Bluetooth standards, but if you buy a car, it's you don't want to buy a new car every time the Bluetooth standard changes. So right or or new uh, radio. Stereo. Yeah, because those, you know, I keep looking at those CarPlay radio announcements that come out, and they're always seven, eight hundred, sometimes a thousand dollars. Well, and the cheaper ones are like the non-capacitive touchscreens. Oh. Which are no good to use, so yeah. I, I keep thinking I want to get one and then I look into it and I'm like, oh I have to yeah, spend so much money and I just <laughs> yeah. don't. And I'm like, no, not gonna happen. Yeah, I'll just get a car that has it later. So those uh you could use those uh expensive but non working Bluetooth headphones as a nice little white elephant gift, I guess. Yeah, you could. It seems like they're going to have some sort of adapter for the people who still want their three and a half millimeter headphones. So it seems like it won't be that big of a deal. But, yeah, uh, but you get another dongle and a more permanent dongle in your phone. I think there was also a rumor that Apple's going to have their own Bluetooth headphones as well. Uh, similar in design to Braggy Dash headphones, which I don't think are available yet. I think they're coming out sometime this year. Wouldn't surprise me if they do, but they're not gonna be cheap. <laughs> no, no, the Braggy Dash headphones are three hundred dollars. Yeah. And they won't be included with the phone this time. Yeah, th- I did see that they were gonna have like a lightning port one included. So hmm. that's how you'll get your headphones. You'll just plug into lightning probably with your iPhone seven or your whatever that new small phone's coming out. Maybe they'll start it there. Who knows? <laughs> then you gotta then you're gonna try to have to figure out how to charge your phone. And listen to music on it at the same time, not using yeah. Bluetooth. I'm sure there'll be an adapter for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about the charging. That would be a pain. Yeah, although people have said, well, maybe then Apple will have wireless charging. And they'll be like, it's the first time anyone's had a wireless charger on their phone. <laughs> Other people have tried we, wireless charging, yeah. but we think we took it to a whole new it. level. Yeah. <laughs> they got it right. <laughs> yeah. We didn't want to do wireless charging the wrong way like everybody else did. And maybe maybe they'll figure it out. But I guess the your watch, if you got an Apple Watch, has wireless charging. Mm-hmm. Takes a long time, but it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't like that part about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, Argo, I heard you got a, an interesting white elephant gift. Yeah, and this is relevant because uh, in Natasha the Robots, uh, one of our most recent newsletters, she had a, a link to this as well but uh got a uh, squatty potty at the white elephant gift exchange <laughs> so it's uh it's a pretty efficient tool 
<laughs> it gets the job done, I'll say. It's a good tool for your stool. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly correct. Uh, but if you don't know what a squatty potty is, um, they have a really hilarious advertisement that explains it very well. Uh, and there's a very colorful, colorful <laughs> ad. But colorful in a actual color way, not colorful as in like language or something. Yeah, it has it has unicorns and ice cream and stuff. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> but uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes, and you should just watch it. I don't think we could should say much more, just so people get the full enjoyment and and really understand how the squatty potty works. It is a uh, that that advertisement is a sight to behold. Yep. <laughs> I thought the Dollar Shave Club one was pretty good, but this one just takes it to a whole new level. It does indeed. Well, on that <laughs> note, <laughs> I think that's all the time we have left for this week. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you guys uh, tell me where we can find you on Twitter? You can find me at AJ Robinson. And you can find me at Sam Corder. And I'm Alex Argo. And the podcast is at Shared Inst. The Email address that we love to get your feedback from is sharedinstancepodcast at gmail.com. And coming soon, we'll have chat.sharedinstance.com running as well. Although by the time this episode's out, it should be good. So yeah, hit up, hit up our Slack channel and let us know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to see you guys, or, or actually not see, but talk to you guys. Squatty potty is good tool for your stool. Squatty potty is good tool for your stool. I don't think we should say much more.